welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's You Forget podcast. I'm your host of this episode, Davey. And on this episode, we will be talking about the banning of Dr. Clive Yolande Thomas by the Jamaican government in 1969, which came off the heels of the banning of Dr. Walter Rodney in 1968. To see the sources used for this episode, you can go ahead and visit us at www.tenementianmedia.com. Uh, click podcast, then click less you forget, and just yeah, scroll down until you see the episode. And over there, you will see the sources, the books, and um, research papers, journals that we use to gather information for this episode. Um, to be note, a lot of these um, sources also came from the Gleaner Archives. Um, so if you have access, that's also a thing. Um, while you're on the website, you can go ahead and make a one-time donation to the yard to support the great work <laughs> that we do. Um, you can also subscribe to our Patreon. The lowest is like a dollar. So if you have it, you can also do that. And you can also subscribe to our Anchor. Subscribe to us via the Anchor platform. So there are a plethora of reasons. And this goes towards gathering information to create the podcast and just, you know, push it out to the world to hear so yeah and you can also follow us at tenement yard underscore both on twitter and on instagram and if there's any questions or sources or anything that you need in regards to this episode or any episode really you can just always email us at tenement yard at gmail.com um tenement yard media at gmail.com all the sources and to find us are on the website so yeah um, so with that being said, let's start the episode. So, um, it should be noted that not a lot of persons know about Dr. Yolan Thomas, especially not a lot of persons outside of Guyana know about Dr. Thomas. And even in that sense, not a lot of persons know he was banned. Um, it was a situation where, um, Dr. Rodney um, Bannon evoked a, a string of events <laughs> that when Dr. Thomas got banned the following year, there was no protest or there was no physical protest, like a march or anything. So, you know, it just, it just get lost in a lot of history books. A lot of history books, a lot of oral history books and oral history. So, um, it is the hope that, you know, we can go into details about Dr. Clive Thomas and, yeah, just have a conversation, really. So, first thing first, we're just going to talk about who is Dr. Clive Thomas and, um, you know, how we, this situation happened. So, just a bit of his biography. So, Dr. Clive Thomas was born on February 6th, 1938. So, he shares a birthday with Bob Marley and Una Mason. Um, so Clive Thomas is the first of seven children for his parents, Clementine Simple and Basil Thomas. Um, he said that his mother was a single parent, so he didn't grow up with his dad. He grew up in Charlestown before moving to Hill Street, Abelstone, and then to Leopold Street. He attended Queen's College in Guyana, which is an elite all-boys institution in Guyana. And he was growing up in Guyana during the Cheddar Jagan years. Um, and most notably his teenage years were consist of when the British revocation of the sovereignty it had granted to Guyana in a sense and the subsequent scheming and repression to forestall the independence movement, um, in that country. So that form is politics cause that's what he grew up seeing, you know, he's grew up seeing British imperialism. And colonialism just like had a heavy hand in Guyana. Um, he did really well at Queen's College that he got the opportunity to study at the University of Guyana. Um, in an interview, the professor related that he never sought to be an economist or pursue studies in the field. In fact, he wanted to study politics. But after advice from his supervisor at the University of Guyana, he was told that he was sufficiently proficient in politics and that he would be exceptional as an economist. And in 1961, he got his 
bachelor's in economics. Right? Um, he did really well at the University of Guyana and end up going to the University of London to do a PhD in economics. So while at the University of London, um, Dr. Clive Thomas mathematically proficiency won out in a compromise over Sailor James' inspired dreams of being a writer. Henceforth, his literary talent, social consciousness, and historical understanding would, you know, assist in his training in economics. And in 1964, he got his doctorate in economics. While, to be noted, when he finishes doctorate at the University of London, instead of staying in England, he returned to the Caribbean and got a job um, at the UWE campus in Jamaica, so UWE Mona, as a lecturer in economics. And um, his earliest published research focuses on the questions of monetary economics for the decolonizing of West Indies, emphasizing the importance of monetary and financial institutions to the development process as insight. And this is um, like this open economy, macroeconomics was like, he was writing about it before it was given a name. Basically, basically that's what I just described, um, open economy, macroeconomics. So, um, speaking about that whole process was, he was heavily beyond, beyond his time, way, way, way beyond, beyond his time, beyond, beyond, I think, I think that's what I'm saying is correct, beyond his time. And it's even impressive because he finishes doctorate in three years extreme and uh, he was extremely young right? um so here he is at ue and in the in the 60s and um he started to do other work outside of the university so he was he contributed to the leftist magazine monthly review and um in 1967 he assisted in the publication of the Dynamics of West Indies Economic Integration. And that publication um, really solidified him as a regional and global intellect. Um, that publication had contributions also from Havelock Brewster, um, Alistair McIntyre, George Beckford, everybody know George Beckford, one of the, one of the Caribbean's most pristine um, economics, and E. Armstrong. And that publication, The Dynamics of West Indies, of West Indian Economic Integration, it became one of the landmark economic studies in the Caribbean for years to come. Um, if I'm not wrong, I still believe they teach it. They teach it in some schools. I don't know if they teach it in historical economics classes or you have to do a specific course. But if it's not, it should. <laughs> um... So this is 1967, and this is the spur of the independence movement in the Anglophone Caribbean. Um, Guyana would have just gotten their independence in 66. Barbados would have also just um, gotten their independence in 66 as well. Jamaica and Trinidad 62. So yeah, like, and then you have other countries putting steps in place who and they will achieve that in later um years to come and then here you have this young economics and this colleague theorizing the caribbean in a way that has never been done before and here comes 1968 and this new guy came on campus um dr walter Rani, and he's supposed to be the first professor to teach african history now to be known um, before we're going further, if you have not listened to our episode on Dr. Walter Rani, please do. Um, it's a long episode over the, it's a long episode, but I believe it goes into a lot of details about Rani years in Jamaica and to understand how the impact that Rodney had on the campus and on the wider Kingston and St. Andrew area, right? So please go ahead and listen to this episode because it's it's crucial. Dr. Walter Rani is crucial to this um, story, right? 
And it's to be noted that um, Dr. Walter Ronnie also went to Queen's College and he also went to the University of London, just like Dr. Thomas, right? So Dr. Walter Ronnie is on campus alongside um, Dr. Thomas and alongside um, Elsa Govaya, Dr. Elsa Govaya. And for persons who don't know, Dr. Elsa Govaya is the first professor of Caribbean history in the region. The person who actually made Caribbean history a thing. The, the entity that created our syllabus did the research. Like, Dr. Elsa Govaya is the most influential Caribbean historian. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> she... Well, this is my opinion, really. Um, she created a generation of historians to come. Um, Dr. Walter Rodney actually was inspired by her. You know, his first was inspired by her to study history. Um, because if you wanted to study Caribbean history in the region, you had to go to UA. You had to take her Caribbean history course. And while at Queen's College, um, Dr. Walter Rodney, while at Queen's College, Dr. Walter Rodney, he had a professor, he had a teacher who would come to Jamaica and take that course and come back to Guyana. And Walter would write out his teacher's um, notes <laughs> just to learn Caribbean history, right, from Dr. Govaya. Dr. Govaya would go on and, and serve as a supervisor to, to Lucille Mayer, who is arguably one of the most influential diplomats in modern Caribbean so this is you at the time, and this is the influence that the Guyanese have had, are having on not only Jamaican intellect, but Caribbean intellect, right? So you have these juggernauts. Um, again, Dr. Elsa Govaya, Caribbean, first Caribbean historian, Dr. Walter Rani, who's supposed to be um, the first professor of African history, and Dr. Clive Thomas, who's solidifying himself as one of the leading economists, a young economist in the region, right? No. It is the hope that you listen to that episode about what Dr. Walter Rani, um, he ended up teaching a bit of European <laughs> history before he could get to teach an African course because he, because he came to Jamaica in January of 1968. It was a bit too late in the semester to start off teaching um, African history. So what occurred was the next semester, which was the September, October, November semester, he was supposed to teach um, African history. However, he got banned. And by the Jamaican government in October of 1968, Right? Again, listen to that episode of details around that is over there. Not going to go into details around that. And that was where you... And then you had the, the protests that happened on the 16th of October, which evolved into the riots. And the government of Jamaica was very steadfast. And at the time, our government was held by um, G- the... Well, not JLP led, because at the time JLP was the president of JLP was still um, Bustamante, but the JLP government, where the prime minister was Yushiro. Yeah, let's 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 go with that. <laughs> and they reversed it faster than Walter and his band, and not coming back in the country, persona non grata. And it wasn't going to fly over with a lot of people. And as I said before, you have these juggernauts of Guyanese on campus. And it was not like you can pick up your own, regardless of that. Not only as a black person, but as a Guyanese, you are realizing that there's this very, very nasty nationalism that's occurring because how a government, a Caribbean government, is going to undermine the employment and the status of another West Indian, right? Especially who really do nothing. <laughs> um, in in right, that's the way they're seeing it. So, um, Clive Thomas was very much vocal over the banning of Walter Rani. He was very much vocal in '68 and flowing over into 1969 about what the, the Jamaican government was doing. Um, in one of the most um uh, profound books on the 1960s, which 
everyone should read and I, if you have that if you if you have the privilege to get your hands on a copy um um and yeah yeah definitely um please get a copy because a lot of a lot of persons are obsessed with jamaican 1970s which is overdone and over analyzed really it is but you spend some time on the 60s because if you're gonna if you want to understand the 70s you definitely have to understand the 60s hence the reason why tenement y'all spend a lot of time on the 60s and the events of the 60s um because those events still bother us today um so one of the most profound books on that era is Rex Nutterford's classic book, Mirror Mirror, Identity, Race, and Protest in Jamaica. And in that book, um, he had a quote about Clive Thomas. And he said, um, they, with, um, they is the educated blacks in the country, right? The ed- educated intellectual black persons in the country, in Jamaica at the time. And he said, they cannot understand why the government should have banned from its shores a young West Indian intellect who said nothing that Garvey had not said before and merely preach basic African history, which needs to be taught from the level of primary school in any case. Even when they are willing to grant the nation its right to safeguard its security, they cannot understand why the government finds it difficult to extend to a black West Indian the facilities of due process of law so as to clear himself and his cause. The same position is held in respect of yet another Guyanese lecturer, Clive Thomas, the economist who was banned some 10 months after the Rodney case. Max um, Nettefort continues in saying, They, like Thomas, cannot understand how the government prefers to ban black West Indians and yet welcome with open arms the capitalists of Europe and America who exploit Jamaica's natural resources, the plantation owners who dominate the countryside, and the hotel owners who convert their beaches and other natural recreational facilities into playgrounds for the idle rich of North America. Rodney had reportedly reacted in like manner when he called the government a set of bandits selling out the country. It is clear that the main targets of the attack are the white imperial powers of the North Atlantic, particularly the United States of America. So, I think um, the late <laughs> um, Dr. Rex Nettleford, um sums up that the, the thought process going thought process of Dr. Clive Thomas and the way he thought, you know about the banning of Dr. Walter Rodney. So, here is Dr. Thomas, and he's extremely vocal about saying, like, you guys can't do this, you know? they ha- get, Give him due process, at least, that these allegations that he's a dangerous man who is racist and trying to tamper the white and brown society in Jamaica, give him due process, you know, to clear himself. If even if I that and there's nothing there's no evidence that, that that backs up your claim. Like he was very much vocal about these things. And as before before, he had a right. He wasn't the only one who was vocal. It was happening right across the Caribbean about the buying of Dr. Walter Rodney. And um as I mentioned as as um Rex Nutterford, Dr. Nutterford mentioned above Almost 10 months later, um, you got word on August 28, 1969, that Dr. Clive Thomas, he he learned, right? We're learning the same time he's learning that he's no longer a staff member of the Mona campus of the University of the West Indies. And then days later, on September 18th, September 18th, 1969, it was announced that he was banned from the Jamaica. He was banned from Jamaica and given the same status, um, same status as Dr. Rodney, Preston and Greta. And I'm going to go ahead and read um, this, um, this article from the Gleaner that was published um in September of 1969, and it, it's titled C.Y. Thomas Gazetted as Undesirable, and I will start. An official proclamation banning Guyanese lecturer Clive Yelan Thomas from Jamaica appeared in yesterday's Gazette Supplement. The order titled The Prohibited Immigrant C.Y. Thomas Order 1969 is signed by the Minister of Home Affairs, the Honorable Roy McNeil, and dated September 18th. The order follows 
the prohibited immigrant C.Y. Thomas Order 1968, whereas subsection 1A of section 26 of the Immigration Restriction Commonwealth Citizens Law provides inter that where the minister is satisfied that a Commonwealth citizen who is not a citizen of Jamaica has been conditioning himself so as to be dangerous to the peace, order, and good government of Jamaica, the minister may, by order, declare him to be undesirable, to be an undesirable person, and he shall thereupon be a prohibited immigrant. And whereas Clavulan Thomas is a Commonwealth citizen who is not a citizen of Jamaica, I am satisfied that he has been conducting himself in the manner foresaid. Now, therefore, I, the minister, in exercise of the power conferred on me by subsection 1A of section 26 of the Immigration Restriction Commonwealth Citizens Law, do hereby order as follows. I... This order may be cited as the prohibited immigration immigrant C.Y. Thomas Order, 1969. Clavulan Thomas is hereby declared to be an undesirable person. Dated at Kingston, this 18th day of September, 1969. Yes, and this serves as the original band dated August 29, 28th and signed by the Minister of Home Affairs, Roy McNeil. Um, which deemed Dr. Thomas an indesirable inhabitant of or visitor to Jamaica. So that's when everybody got word on the 18th of September that not only was Dr. Clive Thomas no longer a member of, uh, no longer a staff member of the UE Mona campus, he was banned from coming in Jamaica. And He's Guyanese, right? And of course, Guyanese are going to Guyanese newspapers are going to take this up, and persons in Guyana are going to come out and be very strong about this. What Jamaica's doing, because again, this is the second ban, right? Of a UI, of a Guyanese UI lecture in less than a year, in less than a year. So it was, but on somebody, you know, them ban Walter Yanni. But okay, this is a, this is a, this is a, this is a this is a pattern, no? <laughs> Actually, it was bad. It was bad at the band, Dr. Walter on the boat. It was like, whoa, whoa, really? Whoa. And this is 1969, and a lot of things are happening in September of 1969. Um, 1969 saw the death of um, Norman Manley, and you saw the ushering of um michael manley coming in there was also the issue of um the uh, there's also the issue where you had the um sir george's um sir, sir george um university protest that was happening in in canada which well that's happening in february of 1969 but that flew that flow over into the caribbean especially trinidad Right, so there are all of these things happening in the Caribbean, and it it just serve as a more undermining of black persons in Jamaica at the time that we don't stay quiet, like don't say anything. So, and this was this was a thought process of a lot of Guyanese in Jamaica across the Caribbean and in Guyana themselves. So, um. There's an article in the Gleaner, um, which is titled Guyana Newspapers Criticize Jamaican Ban on Professor. And I will read. Um, it says the influential Sunday graphic and the standard voice of Guyana's Catholic community today both criticize the Jamaican government's ban on Guyanese economics professor Dr. Clive Thomas and warned of its possible consequences. The standard declared that Jamaican government was pursuing a policy of despair. And the Sunday graphic described its action as another staggering blow to freedom of movement and Caribbean integration. The Roman Catholic Church official organ said, All over the Caribbean, they are frightened when in high places, but the men in Jamaica are the most frightened of all. 
the paper declared that an explosive situation existed in the island and it was against this background that the Jamaican leaders had decided to pursue this policy of despair. As a result of this, it added, they had decided to ban men like Dr. Walter Rodney and Dr. Clive Thomas. Right? So you had all of these things happening. And Dr. Clive Thomas was not also the only person who was banned in 1969. He was the only UWI professor who was banned in 1969. But another person was also banned, and that was Joey Jagan. Um, Joey Jagan was a dentist at the time in Jamaica. And um, he, alongside Dr. Clive Thomas, was also vocal about the banning of Dr. Walter Rodney. So the government of Jamaica not only banned Dr. Clive Thomas in 1969, they also banned Joey Jagan. But what's interesting about Joey Jagan is that Joey Jagan is the son of Dr. Chedi Jagan. Um, and Dr. Jagan is the uh, famous Dr. Chedi Jagan. Famous Dr. Chedi Jagan. Um, synonymous with Guyana politics. At, in 1969, at that time, he was the opposition um, leader of the PPP, which is a People Progressive Party. And there's an article that mentioned um, uh, something that happened in September of 1969 in Guyana. And I'm going to read here. Opposition People's Progressive Party leader Dr. Chedi Jagan was injured and several members of his youth organization were beaten last night when a gang of men attacked and tried to break up a meeting here, which was called to protest Jamaica's ban against Guyanese professor Dr. Clive Thomas and Dr. Chedi Jagan's son Joey. The men launched their attacks first with stone as Dr. Jagan began to address the meeting in Independence Square, and shortly afterwards, one of them snatched a microphone and struck Mr. Jagan in the chest. The opposition leader was prevented from completing his address and left the meeting immediately after the incident to seek medical attention. So, yeah, that never flew over well. Um, years, 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 years later, <laughs> um, just a, just a little, I don't know, is that joke? I don't think so. It's not a joke. But um, years later, um, please go ahead and listen to the, doc- the, the, the episode on Dr. Walter Rodney. The student who is most instrumental in um, orchestrating the protests around um, Dr. Walter Rodney banning Jamaica, Dr. Rolf Gonzalez, um, when he did that in 1969, years later, as Prime Minister of St. Vincent and Grenadines in 2021, he would be struck in the head <laughs> um, by protesters um, who are not for so-called asterisk, asterisk, COVID mandate in a pandemic. So things come full circle-ish. <laughs> um, ish. So, yeah. Um, I'm, and... It was not only Guyanese who were very vocal about this. I said before it was happening across the Caribbean because it, you're starting to see a pattern that was occurring in the region, right? In in Jamaica. And and persons are seeing this across the region. So the St. Lucia um and their government um demanded a, a statement. And and remember at this time St. Lucia is not an independent country yet. You know, they're still under 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 British rule. And um, their premier demanded a statement from the Jamaican government as like, why is why why is he banned? What what's happening? Why, why is he banned? And um, this is the first time that um, a Caribbean head of government um, was making his views known on the banning of Dr. Clive Thomas. And I'm going to read a. Uh, Another article here um, from the Gleaner, and this says, it's titled, Banan Guyanese, St. Lucia Demanding Statement. Um, St. Lucia's Premier, John Compton, has demanded that the Jamaican government make a statement on its ban against Guyanese University lecturer, Dr. Clive Thomas, who was last month deemed an undesirable visitor or inhabitant to Jamaica. We are entitled to a statement from Jamaica, and if it does not come, somebody has to demand it, Premier Compton told a news conference in Port of Spain. He was in Trinidad at the time, right? Um, I just want to say that up to this point, up to late September, there has been no... 
still today, <laughs> actually, there, there was no reason given by the Ushera government. Even from where McNeil, the person who signed off on this ban, um, well, no government signed off on the ban, but that's Roy McNeil's um, ministry, Home Affairs, that's in charge of, of banning people. They have not said why they banned Dr. Clive Thomas. It's just like, yo, ban. Like, there was no reason given. So Dr. Compton is, um, Mr. Compton is here, and he's saying that, yo, it's your statement, that's why I ban him. It's your statement. And I'm going to continue reading. Compton explained that the University of the West Indies was a multinational and not a supranational organization and pointed out that government should not deal with university professors and lecturers as they would have deal with other persons. Professors and lecturers represent an instrument of many nations and not one nation alone, he quoted. Premier Compton is the first Caribbean head of government to make public his views on the Jamaican government um, in banning the Guyanese academic academician from re-entering Jamaica to continue his work at the UA. And the paper goes on to say, Dr. Thomas was the second Guyanese lecturer at the UA to be banned from Jamaica within a year. The other was Dr. Walter Rodney, who was prevented from disembarking at Palisados Airport last year when he landed there from a Black Writers Conference in Canada. Again, as I said before, right? Please, go ahead and listen to that episode. Um, and it should be noted that at the time, um, Compton was also the, um, um, Compton, uh, let me not say that. And one of the issue is that, um, the, the, the pro-chancellor at the time, and this is where the story gets extremely delicate. The pro-chancellor at the time was um, Dr. Eric Williams, who was serving as Prime Minister of Trinidad and Tobago. And he he somewhat couldn't say anything because the Jamaican government hasn't issued a statement as to why it was banned. So that was that was a lot of um from UE heads, that was that was something that the university couldn't touch. Because they didn't get a reason as to why Dr. Clive Thomas wasn't banned, right? That, that, that was a lot of things that was going upon an administration level at UA, right? Um, and then, just like the Walter Rodney affair, um, the UA guilds got involved, but there weren't, there was no protest. There was no physical protest like 1968, but they were very concerned. So, um, another article titled Dr. Thomas Affair, um, Guilds to Give Deadline for Reappointment, and it reads, The Guild of Undergraduates of the UA is to ask the Vice Chancellor of the University, Dr. Roy Marshall, to reappoint Dr. C.Y. Thomas immediately to a post on another campus of the university. And the Guild is giving the Vice Chancellor a Monday, October 13th deadline for the reappointment. So, you know, there was campuses in Barbados, there were campuses in, 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 in Trinidad. So the master, all right, then he's banned in Jamaica. The least you we can do, because he's still on contract. Dr. Clive Thomas is still on a contract here, right? Put him somewhere else. Put him somewhere else to finish his work. Put him somewhere else to finish his teaching. Because um, UWE is a regional institution. So put him somewhere here. And it, they, they, the article continues to say the decision was reached at an extraordinary general meeting of the Guild call yesterday to discuss the banning of Dr. Thomas and the reinstatement of Mr. Eric Freighter to his substantive post as placement officer. At the meeting, it was also decided that the Vance Chancellor would be asked to close the university as a form of protest against the continued government's interference in the university affairs um yeah um the article goes on to say right however at yesterday's meeting the immediate past guild president mr ralph gonzalves stressed that in light of rumors of political pressure on members of the administration in tree corruption in matters affecting promotion and disorganizing and inefficiency in the registry, students should demand a commission of inquiry. 
the matter was deferred in order to allow time for the collection of specific items for of information. Alright. Now, coming off the heels of that, <laughs> of everything that's happening over here, Boy Marshall um decides to and this is where Marshall is the vice chancellor of UA and he decided that yo, alright then cool, alright. We understand, we hear people, and yes, you cannot have governments using their power to get rid of academics, especially at UA. This no. So in another article titled Marshall Calls for Talks and Ban, Matter of Vital Concern to Public UA. Um, this is what um Roy Marshall said. Um, well, this is what the article said. The Vice Chancellor at the University of West Indies, Professor Roy Marshall, has called for a discussion at all levels to settle the thorny question of Caribbean government ban against university staff. Professor Marshall was delivering an address at a matriculation ceremony at the St. Augustine campus here last night. This is October 7th, by the way. Speaking against a background of controversy over Jamaican government bans on at least two academics in one year and increasing allegations of the curtailment of academic freedom at the campuses in Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago and Barbados, the vice chancellor has disclosed that October 16th was the day chosen for staff and students to have a meaningful discourse on the subject um, the vice chancellor got involved you know as i said before because you can't have caribbean government undermining a regional institution like especially when jamaican government has not given any reason then just stop on the ban and say nothing was given um no another thing i want to to speak on is dr clive thomas himself um when Walter Rani was banned, and again, must stress over and over, but listen to the episode. When Dr. Walter Rani was banned, he, you know, it was into England, he went to Cuba for a bit, and then he ended up going to Tanzania, right, to continue his, his academic work um, as a lecturer. Dr. Thomas decided to stay in the Caribbean, right? And in the beginning... Right, he went to Trinidad, and um, I'm going to read another article, um, um, which is titled "Dr. Thomas in Trinidad for You." Post. This is also from the Jamaica Gleaner. It says Dr. Clive Thomas, the Guyanese economics lecturer, recently banned from Jamaica, has arrived here and reported for duty at Saint Augustine, a sister campus of the University of the West Indies campus at Mona. Dr. Thomas, an expert on economic matters in the Caribbean, said he will he still considered himself a lecturer of the University of the West Indies. Um, Professor Lord Brathwaite, Pro Vice Chancellor of the St. Augustine campus, has said meanwhile that Dr. Thomas' appointment here was an issue for the appointment committee to decide since he had been appointed to the Mona campus in Jamaica. An order banning Dr. Thomas from Jamaica was made in August while the Guyanese lecture was out of the island. No reason was given for the ban. Per the usual. Yes. Oh boy. Um, and oh boy. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot for any, um, one person to take on, you know, and Dr. Thomas was trying to figure out the legality of the actions. Um, he did said that, you know, um, he was going to seek, um, he was going to challenge the legality of, um, everything that has happened, you know, the ban, the firing, um, everything that was happened. And then there was an issue with his contract. Because remember, he was he landed in Trinidad, as I said before, to start teach. But there's a there was a plethora of issues. You understand? Um in an article titled Thomas Fired at Yui says he will challenge the equality of the action again in, in the Daily Gleaner. It reads, um, he and this is 
he, referring to Dr. Clive Thomas, said he was told by Professor Marshall, Professor Ron Marshall, yesterday that there was no hope for him teaching at any of the campuses. This is the UW campus. Um, he, Dr. Clive Thomas stated, he told me my contract had been frustrated as a result of the exclusion order of the Jamaican government and that I am no longer a staff member of, of, of UWE as of August 28. Because remember, as I mentioned in the beginning, he was given word in August that he was no longer a staff member, right? So in August 28, then fire him, basically say, yo, you're no longer a staff member. And then the band came, <laughs> right? While this man is out of the country, while he's out of Jamaica, right? And it, he goes on to say, Professor Marshall had also advised, he went on, that as a result of the frustration of my contract, I could not be transferred to another campus. Dr. Thomas said that Professor Marshall told him that the university would give him 400 pounds as a settlement. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And the same day, um, October 6th, that this occurred, um, the UWE Gills, and this is UWE Gills in Trinidad, right, was also trying to see if they had any power to do anything, right? You know, a whole unified front on a regional level. Um, executive officers of the Guild of Undergraduates at the St. Augustine campus of the University of the West Indies here tonight holding an emergency meeting to consider what line of action to take following the university's dismissal of Guyana-born economics lecturer Dr. Clive Thomas. And this is an excerpt from um, the Gleaner. Um, it should also be noted that I'm positive, 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 that the Uwe Gill's president in Trinidad at the time was a Jamaican. So, we have all of these things happening, right? All of these things happening, right? And it it painted a picture that, especially in Jamaica, that black intellects who wanted to challenge the status quo of how Jamaica goes about seeing themselves as a society were were being outcasted by the government, you know? Was like like it was just being demolished as a rule, you know? And Dr. Rexner for it again summed it up perfectly. So I'm going to continue. I'm going to read another excerpt from um Mirror Mirror. And he goes on to say and I quote, No, the banning of Dr. Thomas, a black and a reputably West Indian economics, would seem to suggest grave psychological problems for the future. In Jamaica's choice of much-needed skills for a national development, but politicians will no doubt argue that a security risk, black or white, is a security risk, and governments are particularly sensitive to such risk. On the other hand, there is yet no answer for Dr. Thomas' reported assertion that the domination of Jamaica by the imperial powers of the North Atlantic has helped to reduce a people of immense vitality and creativity with a long history of struggle for freedom to be the servile tools of foreigners. The language may overstate a case, but it is certainly in the tradition of the fight for self-determination. Only now it is spoken out against a black West Indian government instead of the white imperial black administ- white imperial British administration. The young black lecturer will no doubt say that white or black imperialism is still imperialism. For the Jamaican government with its legally elected opposition like its counterparts in the Caribbean is regarded by black power advocates as an extension of the colonial system. Closely identified with the power structure in the lore of black power are those who see themselves as heirs to the European legacy, the middle class, whose boorishness, proverbial lack of social conscious, ruthless acquisitiveness, and perpetuation of white values in the black society are also targets of unceasing attacks. So, yeah, you know. Rex of the Ford is one of the region's most, I mean, God, he was a, so much, <laughs> so, so much, absolutely amazing, um, absolutely amazing man, 
whose influence um, goes generations upon generations from academia to culture as a founding member of the National Dance Theatre um, Company. I mean, he's amazing. And his words here sums up perfectly what Jamaican government is trying to do. And the way the way them settle themselves, you know? You know? The way all of this occurred and the way they were treating their fellow West Indians in the country, you know? Because as he, as, as I meant, as our, the excerpt that I read earlier um, from Nettleford's book, that it, it served as something that West Indians wasn't allowed, black West Indians wasn't allowed in Jamaica, but white tourists were, you know? And that, that's something that's touched a nerve. And listen, that would be one of the main points that were brought up years after 69 in the 1972 election that JLP don't care about black people and listen listen PMP was going to PMP was going to reap that <laughs> heavily which Michael Malley eventually did so um in the after I'm just going to talk about the aftermath and what happened with Dr. Thomas and his life and um just give a brief overview of what happened you know with him after his band in Jamaica. So in 1969, Dr. Clive Thomas returned home to the University of Guyana, you know, his alma mater, um, which is not an extension of UE. So he's good to teach there. And he would teach in the economics department. But this is the thing. Dr. Clive Thomas was very much confined to Guyana, right? He couldn't go other countries in the Caribbean because... You know, the ban was there in Jamaica. And then here, Trinidad, even Trinidad themselves had an issue because, because as I mentioned before, the Sir George um, University process happened in Canada, flowed over into the Caribbean, and the country that was really got the bolt of its um, chain of events was Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. And for persons who don't know about the Sir George um, protest, what happened there was that there are white professor he tried to undermine um, the grades of black students, and those black students end up being West Indians. And these West Indians on the campus say, yo, them not take it and go so. It not go so. You understand? So them go up and them lock themselves into um, the computer lab and stage a protest, and a lot of things came out of that. But that's an episode for another day. Because that protest flowed over into Trinidad, it start, it really kick-started the black power movement in Trinidad, right? It really kicked off, and, and, and Eric Williams was like, yo, we not did this, you know? He, Eric Williams said, we not do this, Mm-mm, this not gonna happen, this not happening. So Eric Williams was very much clamping down on these asterisk, asterisk black radicals. Like, he never wanted in him country, he... No, he didn't wanted it. So um, after 1970, um, uh, Dr. Pri- is that Pri- no. oh. Prime Minister Dr. Eric Williams, let's go right there, yeah, that's it, refused to let Thomas in Trinidad to work along with Bill Revere and Pat and Emmanuel. And the refusal that exemplified the state of fear over the threat that radical intellects posed the status quo of newly independent Caribbean states. But as I said before, because Dr. Clive Thomas was confined to Trinidad, he had to do a lot of his work in Trinidad. So as I said before, because Dr. Clive Thomas was confined to Guyana, he had to do a lot of his work and activism and organizing in Guyana, right? Because that was largely where he was confined to. You know, um, and one of the first things he did, um, was that he, he was, he was not, he, he was not a person who was instrumental in bringing home Dr. Walter Rodney, you know, a, very, a close friend and colleague. Cause as, as mentioned from the beginning, they went to the same high school together. They went to the same, um, to the same university. Um, they were teaching at the same university, UA, and Dr. Clive Thomas was campaigning paining heavily for um justice to be given to dr walter Rani after his ban so of course they're going to have a really 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 close friendship um there and um dr clive thomas in an interview in 2012 he said that i 
urged him, him referring to Dr. Walter Rodney, to come back to Guyana. He gave me a sort of understanding that he should consider, consider that, and therefore I took the initiative when I returned to Guyana to move for him to be a visiting professor at the University of Guyana. Um, this position was approved by the Appointments Commission of the University to come to Guyana, and they issued a letter of appointment. As it was so happened, um, Dr. Walter Rodney was undermined by the Burnham government, and he... The, the university again, I didn't allow him to teach um, when he came home. Um, but because of that, he both of them got very much involved in politics, right? And um, from the get-go, um, Dr. Clive Thomas was hardly working. He formed the movement against oppression in the late 1960s when he came home. 1969, and then he was also instrumental in the formation of the Ratoon, right? He was a founding member of the Ratoon, and the Ratoon was a group of concerned lecturers at the University of Guyana, which sought to combine research and action on political and economic issues, including efforts to educate workers in both the sugar and bauxite industries, right? It was basically a follow-up to it was it was a action blueprint of Dr. Walter Rodney's grounding with my brothers, basically. Just putting words to actions. Putting actions to words, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um Dr. Clive Thomas would go on to work and organize together with Dr. Walter Rodney and others in the building of the Workers People's Alliance, the WP the workings people the working people's alliance the wpa right and i'm going to talk a bit about more about his work in wpa thomas authored and co-authored many of wpa's major documents including manifestos and influential booklet bread and justice i feel, I feel like i can't get that anywhere yeah, but I'm just thinking that anyway. Um, which became a template for the connection between economic and social and political justice in small countries like Guyana. Bread and justice established a distinct line between the genuine humanist practice of working people's movements using the socialist label and those that understood the left as representing organizational affinity with the international socialist bloc and the consequent party control over the state. Thomas argued that the struggles for the rights and for the socialism in Guyana and the Caribbean must contain more freedom and not less more and not less democracy. As he stated, to socialists, bread and what can be more correctly termed the promise of bread cannot be traded for freedom and social justice. Thomas, unlike um, Rodney and I would say, who else was WPA? Was very like Quayana. Right. If you look at those two, if you look at Rodney and Quayana role in, I'm a, probably a butcher Quayana name because I've been saying Quayana since I was like 15. <laughs> so I'm probably a butcher <laughs> their name. But for, this is how it's spelled. It's spelled K W A Y A N A. Any Guyanese listening can carry me. Any story listening can carry But I pronounce it that way because that's how I spell it. They were very outspoken persons, but Dr. Clive Thomas took a he took a behind the behind the scenes kind of kind of role. Hence the reason I mentioned before, he worked on a lot of their documentation. He wasn't the person who was going to be um at the at the at the helm, you know, leading the the, the, the speeches and being on the platform. No, I'm a proper person who organize it. You know, I'm a proper person who write the speech. That's his that's his that was largely what he did, you know. Um but this is an intellect, you understand? So um, he did a lot of negotiation works across social class lines, um, to and he was embraced by a lot of the labor and the working people and social justice movements in Guyana. Um, he enjoyed close relationships with trade unions at both formal and informal levels. So at one time or another, he advised major Guyanese trade unions, including the Guyana's, um, Guyana Allied Workers Union, GAWU. He advised CCWU and GMWU and led negotiating words with TUC and FITUG. This is a lot of things. Um, he served as chairman of the University of Guyana's Workers Union, which is the UGWU, and was active in, so in, in the support of staff and academics at the R- 
at the the at the institution right um then he this is a thing too jamaicans please listen to this <laughs> this is a jamaicans right um he wasn't also confined because even though he was being very undermined by Forrest Burnham in the early 1970s, well, he'll be later undermined by Forrest Burnham in the late 70s. <laughs> At one point in the early 1970s, um, Guyanese Prime Minister Forrest Burnham asked Thomas to assist the government of um, Jamaica, you know, to assist the Prime Minister Michael Manley of Jamaica in the country's struggle with the IMF. Understand? Um... As Thomas later explained in an in a interview, and I quote, Manley was faced with a dilemma about what to do when the economic crisis began unfolding regarding his central bank. And he asked Burnham, of all people, if he could facilitate getting me to Jamaica so he could have discussions and benefit from my advice. And Burnham actually called me and put me on a plane, a GDF plane, to take me to Jamaica. It was one of those propeller it was one of those propeller planes that took maybe a day to get there. So I mean, you bought me but you need me, you know. <laughs> I know there's a there's a there's a there's a, a modern slang for that. I just can't I just can't think about it now. But yeah, he was highly sought after. And mem- remember, I said from the beginning of the episode that this was something that he specialized in. You know, he was writing about open economy, macroeconomics before it was even given a name. So if there's anybody you are going to call upon when it comes to macroeconomics, when it comes to even dealing with central bank issues. Even microeconomics, really, um, it was going to be him. You know, the idea of developmental and institutional um, economics, it was going to be Dr. Clive Thomas. Just brilliant, brilliant intellect. And the whole thing about the plane, this is so hilarious, because Walter Rennie was brought in Jamaica on private planes and special visas to Jamaica in the late 1970s as well. So he kind of had those things happening. Um, a bit of his turn in the 1970s um and i'm going to con- continue here um dr clive thomas was also elected to chair the university of guyana staff association that's the ujsa and began acting as an advisor to non-governmental organizations campaign for democracy and social justice both in guyana and the region there was the caribbean congress of labor and internationally the world council of churches the WPA quickly became the leading edge in the struggle for democracy and the resonance of the WPA's message was reflected in the fear it struck in Burnham, who in August 1979 warned members of the WPA to write their wills. Defying threats and violence, WPA leaders such as Dr. Clive Thomas, Walter Rodney, and Dea, who, if you don't know Andea, <coughs> Andea is a Caribbean feminist, She's Guyanese. This brilliant book that was edited with a lot of her speeches. It doesn't necessarily go into a lot about her work in WPA, but it it does. Um, the point is to change the world. If you can't get yourself a copy, please do. And you can um, see her words on paper and some of the things that, you know, she stands for. But uh, absolutely amazing woman. Um, her work in the WPA, her work with um, work with, in the cancer community, or work in a literary community even and just in, in 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 what it means to be a Caribbean feminist, especially um seeing it from the lens of being black and Indian in the global south and there is absolute inspiration. So you had Dr. Clive Thomas, Dr. Walter Rodney, and Dea, Rupert, Rupanier and <laughs> Koyana. God, wish me not them name. They bravely continue to organize speaking and writing despite knowing that in Thomas' words, um, to write them will. From that point on, attempts to assassinate us were in the cards. Um, assassinate them were in the cards. A number of activists were murdered by government agents, most famously Dr. Walter Rani in 1980. Um, I know that assassination attempt in that car. Um, while Thomas narrowly escaped um um threats on his life there were rumors of of kidnap attempts by burnham agents and um 
yeah, a lot of these things are happening to Dr. Clive Thomas. A lot of things are happening. <laughs> um, but what was so instrumental was that even though persons around him, you know, were, you know, after Dr. Waterrani was killed and and, and, and and persons were being um, oppressed and orchestrated and, and were being oppressed and a lot of these things happened and, and uh, that threatened their lives, man still uh, continue to work. You know, he still continued his work and he was never going to be silenced at all. Like, that was not going to happen. Um, so he continued to write, continued to teach, um, continued to, 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 to do as much as he can for the things that um, he, he stand for, you know? Um, he, he goes on to, I'm going to read a thing here. Um, in addition to his activism and research throughout incredibly dif- difficult times, Thomas also served as head of the economics department and became director of the Institute of Development Studies at the University of Guyana. He continued lecturing and was instrumental in founding the ideas journal transition. Um, there was also his book, The Rise of Authority and State in Peripheral Societies, um, which speaks a lot about, uh, which speaks about the Burnham um, era a bit and a couple of things. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, uh, in, in, in later years, um, um, Dr. Clive Thomas would win a seat in Parliament when, um, as the leader of WPA, um, he achieved that in 1992. Um, yeah, when the People's Progressive Party came to power, um, then he was he became a re- recipient of the Cassie Crown of Honor for contributions to education. Um, he got the Government of Guyana National Award Scheme in 1994 and the George Beckford Award for Contributions to Caribbean Economy, Association of Caribbean Economists in 2001. Um, he has authored and co-authored over 30 books as well as numerous research papers. Um, these include Guyana Countering the Risk of Money Laundering, Terrorist Financing and Arms Prolificate proliferation um eight essays on amalia falls hydro project um 30 years after the third world debt crisis sovereign debt stress in caricom with specific reverend reference to guyana and he has published over 154 academic articles and contributes to numerous books and research journals um absolutely one of the most Safe to say, that's safe to say, like one of the most prolific Caribbean economics of, of his generation. And, you know, because one of the things is that his, his economic scholarship transcends so much. There was theoretical economics, empirical, mathematical, sociological, and political economics. He was, he, he pushed the boundaries on what Caribbean economics could do and not keeping quiet about things. He was going to be very vocal about it. And then after so much years of um, doing work in academia and politics, he retired in 2014 after serving over, after 50 years as professor of economics and director of the Institute of Development Studies at the University of Guyana. And in 2015, he was appointed presidential advisor on sustainable development. Um, Yeah, and the funniest thing about all of this, he's still alive today. Dr. Clive Thomas is 83, still alive, still writing. Even in retirement, he's still writing. Um, in 2002, he became a regular contributor to Starbrook News, that S-T-A-B-R-O-E-K News. And he was writing economic articles for a section called Guyana and the Wider World, which he still writes today. Like, leading up to this episode, as of October 2021, because that's an episode of my <laughs> um another episode this episode is going to be drop around the anniversary of the walter and reds um he's still writing but a lot of his write articles are around the oil and gas industry in guyana the last few articles that we saw from him were around oil and gas in guyana but he's still writing still alive and for me personally it would be very nice you know um that um the jamaican government i don't know I don't know. Remove the ban. That would be good. As far as we know, the ban is still in place. Um, we couldn't find no evidence that the ban has been removed. 
So if them can remove the ban, you understand? Um, a formal apology be given to the man, and maybe compensation because he was still on contract. He was still on a UA contract. So I would love to see those three things happen in his lifetime because he's still alive. Like a lot of the conversation around Walter, Runner, Walter, Doctor Walter, Doctor Walter Rodney, is that you know he's dead and this is more um, ceremonial and blah 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 and his family. Okay, him still deserve it. Still get it done. But Dr. Clive Thomas is alive. This man is alive. Kicking in good health. <laughs> He's alive. Jamaican government. Come on, bro. Come on. Like, and now is the up, knows the, knows the right time. Because the ban happening on our JLP government and it's JLP in power. And your wholeness, people who are listening are part of that camp. They're like, they're li- like, come on. Like, we know we're busy with COVID, but come on, like remove the ban, man. We need a we need formal apology, and I'll say before compensation. Yeah, the least Jamaican government can do, the least, the least them can do. So um yeah, that's Dr. Clive Thomas. Um, the, you can find the Starbrook um articles on the internet. They're easily accessible. Just Starbrook News, Dr. Clive Thomas AC's articles come up. They're all over there archive and you can see what he writes about. So yeah, that's the episode on Dr. Clive Yelan Thomas, Dr. Clive White Thomas. Some persons know him as C Y Thomas. Um and it is with the hope that everybody learns something new. So um thanks everybody for listening. Um again if you want to see the sources using this episode, check out our website at www.tenementiadmedia.com. Um and just click podcast, let's see if we're getting a you that and yeah, just thanks for the support over these few we're like a year old now, year old and couple months. So yeah, thanks for all the support and we will See you again on another episode of the Let's You Forget podcast, a historical podcast by Tenementian Media. So yeah, um, be safe when you're not up on a gravel. All right, later. <laughs>